Are you a chiropractor or physical therapist that believes in exercise, wants to make some money, and wants to provide the absolute best care for your patients? Well, then you are in the right place. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and this is Clinic Gym Radio, where we talk about the Clinic Gym hybrid model, which is combining the best parts of healthcare with active care and fantastic exercise programs to get patients the best care they can while helping you make more money in this game. This is Clinic Gym Radio, and I'm Dr. Josh Satterley. I'm excited for you to be here. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I am your host, as always, Dr. Josh Satterley, and my guest today is me, Dr. Josh Satterley. So this, I want to do a little end-of-year podcast recap of looking back at 2021 and talk about some good, some bad, and some things we're looking forward to uh, all through next year. And I thought you might want to get a couple updates, so I'm going to cover some things the best things that happened uh, to me this year, business-wise, the best things that happened to me personally. And then I'm also going to cover the worst things that happened business-wise and the worst things personally, um, and also talk about kind of what next year's looking like. So if you are into listening to me, right on, you're in the right place. If you hate me and hate me as a guest, well, I would suggest just click on to the next best podcast you listen to. But with that, Let's get started. And by the way, as you know, lately, if you've been listening to this podcast, I keep doing ads for Clinic Gym Connect. So that is the software we started. I'm going to actually get to that later in in one of the things. But um, Clinic Gym Connect is a software that we have built, and the whole goal is communication. So I'd love to have you check it out. The reason we started that, and this will tie in later, but the reason we started that is you know, for a long time, we sold this consulting program or this education program called the Accelerator. And, um, you know, the Accelerator program was all about um, kind of like getting the systems in place to run a clinic gym hybrid. A lot of people would contact me and say, hey, I have a clinic, I have this many people a month, and blah, blah, blah. And then we wanted them to kind of push the limits to, they wanted to, they would approach me and say, hey, I want to start the gym portion. What do I need to know? And so we put together some lessons all about that. But one of the things that we did this year, or actually it started before this year, but really this year early on, it came to a point, was look at who was successful and who wasn't with the program um, and what was the commonality. And I would say that by far, 100% of the time, the number one commonality was a lack of communication. You could just boil it down to that. The first being they didn't have enough people or couldn't get enough people in the gym. It was because they weren't regularly communicating with their patients to say, hey, you should join the gym. We have this exercise program and here's what it's all about. Second thing was the communication between the team or the members of the staff was not positive either. And so we thought, hey, what's a good software to go with? Instead of building something all about designing workouts or anything like that, which I think there are a bunch of those like Trainerize and um, what's the other one? I can't remember it right now. Uh, instead of going that route, we decided to go with the communication app. And I think it's an area I've long been interested in CRMs and automation and things like that and the way that they can help a business. And I just don't think anybody's really doing that very well within the chiropractic space or certainly not the clinic gym space. So that's why we started Clinic Gym Connect. I'll get to that later um, of you know how it worked out, but that's why I promote it because communication is the big thing, which actually led to a big breakthrough this year in business-wise. But with that, let's go down my list here. First, I want to talk about the best things that happen in business and then the best things personally. Then I'll get to the worst things in business and worst things personally. But 
Number one, best thing, the first list I have is best things that happened this year business-wise. And so for me, you know, we, my wife and I have a couple different businesses. We have the clinic gym hybrid. I have a clinic um, where we mostly treat this year. It seemed to be either golfers or personal injury patients, just some weird way that happened. But um, so we have a couple different businesses. We have a, a consulting company um, where we work in the legal industry as well. So um, we have a multitude of things going on, but I'm going to try and keep this mostly to the clinic gym hybrid things and that what this, that's what this podcast is all about. So going down my list, so what were the best things that happened this year? Well, number one, and this is, you know, it's always tough when you do these at the end of the year because the things that happened most recently kind of stick out in your mind. But one thing that really sticks out in my mind that I was super excited about this year was speaking at Parker seminars. And I think that was back in October. And the reason it was so awesome to speak at Parker seminars, number one, I ran into some friends I hadn't seen in a long time. I mean, the first day I was there, I had dinner with uh, Kevin Christie and Jason Holm and Brandon Steele and a few others. And it's just so awesome to see people live and in person. You know, we were sitting outside at some patio of a bar and, and just reminiscing. And it was awesome to be there. Awesome to talk to them. And then when, once the seminar started, I think the coolest thing was that the, you know, just getting people live again. I mean, that was a huge shift and having people in classrooms, uh, you know, in person was just amazing. And I got to say, of all the things I did this year, business-wise, going back to a live seminar, especially one as epic and amazing as, as the Parker seminars in Dallas, that was probably the number one best thing I can say, like, because it showed me there's a ton of potential. Every speaker I went to was awesome. It wasn't the same old crap all the time. There's definitely a shift that happened in the, in the profession. And, you know, we're getting more progressive voices out there. When I say progressive, what I really mean is, are you, you know, using evidence-based principles or at least being advised by the evidence? Are you recommending exercise? Are you, or is somebody in your office doing exercise with people? You don't have to do it yourself, but is rehab happening? Are we doing more active care? Are we looking at how to open more doors for chiropractors rather than uh, maybe like restricting people to practice a certain way? I'm of the mindset of, you know, the role of the, the state board is ensure the safety of the public. And if the safety is insured, then just open as many doors and opportunities to chiropractors as possible basically, and make sure that they're keeping people safe. Sometimes there's things like in my state, dry needling needs additional education. I'm totally fine with that. Um, but let's keep as many doors open as possible. You and I will not practice the same way. And that's totally cool with me. Uh, my, one of my best buds from chiropractic college practices NUCA, and uh, that's nothing like I practice. It invigorates him. He's motivated by it. And I think he provides good care for his patients. He's a great communicator. There's a lot of good there. It ain't me. So anyways, the role of the state board, I think, keep the doors open so he can practice NUCA, I can practice the way I practice, and everybody can be happy. So anyways, Parker, being a live seminar in Dallas, that was probably the number one best thing that happened in business. Now, that's not a financial success or anything like that. Just It just sets up so many other things in motion. Uh, number two, best thing business-wise this year. This year and last year, one of the companies my wife and I own... Um, ended up hiring a lot of people. And when I say a lot, I think we're up to like nine people. No, including her and I, it's 11 now. But one of the best things we stumbled upon in business, and it was kind of at the end of last year, but really I saw it this year, was a multi-step hiring process, just a repeatable hiring process so that we could hire for the role we needed multiple times. And I don't know how many people we actually put through that. I think it's got to be 12 to 15 people have gone through that process. But 
I was at a, a workshop maybe three or four years ago and the guy talked about setting up um, a hiring process because hiring was the thing that would keep you from go- growth the, the most. And if you look, everybody and their brother is hiring people right now or are trying to hire people right now and having a lot of difficulty. We got lucky. We work on personal recommendations to get people into it. But one struggle we ran into is if we take personal recommendations and hire those people, there's a chance they'll suck. And how do you get them out once you've hired them? So I remembered back to that seminar I went to three or four years ago and the guy was talking about the hiring process. And one of the roles of it is you put in multiple steps so that both parties, the person who's applying and, and us can at different points say, you know what, this isn't for me. Let's stop. Rather than starting them training and then uh, they come in one day and say, this ain't for me. So we built that process and, and we set up some subjective things and, some, and one objective measure. And I would highly recommend you try and do both. Now, it's very difficult. But to us, like if you're hiring a front desk um, coordinator, whatever you want to call it, patient coordinator or uh, patient communicator, administrative assistant, front desk manager, whatever you're going to call that role. The steps I would do is like, what, think about like, what does that person do most of the time in their job? Well, they're coordinating schedules, they're communicating via phone, uh, they're sending emails and receipts and stuff. So in this hiring process, what I would do is say, uh, maybe have an assignment of like, hey, send an email uh, that talks about the, you know, what's a difficult email to write? Send an email to Mr. Jones who owes the office $42 and he's owed it for like four months now. We need some stern language in there. And just see what they produce. Now, remember, you haven't trained them yet. So they don't know your processes, your systems and all that. And that's one thing we had to learn is the, we do a writing sample of, uh, from people. And it's like, yeah, you're not trained to write like, you know, you will be. You're not trained, like if you're hiring a rehab assistant, they're not trained to do rehab. Like you're going to teach them to do rehab. If they're, you're hiring a trainer, they're, you're not going to, there's no expectation that they're as good as they will be on day one. But do they have just a minimal acceptable amount? You know, if you're hiring a trainer, like, do they just basically understand exercise, understand that different movements produce different results? So that's one step. And then there's a couple others. But the, the last thing we do is, or I, I should say, there's two more steps that I think are important. Number one is we use the Colby assessment, K-O-L-B-E, Colby.com, I think it is. And it just asks people like four basic questions about how they work. Number one, how much research do you know, need to do before you get started? Number two, how much follow through do you have? Number three, how fast can you get started or a quick start? And then number four, what's called their implementer score. How comfortable are you with implementing new processes, new systems, new software, things like that? And over time, we have developed that we know exactly the score we're looking for. So for example, on me, I, my, you get four numbers. Mine are 6177. My wife's are 8824. And my wife's numbers are more like what we want to hire for that specific position. It's about the only objective test I've found in hiring and we love it and it has worked for us. So you got to maybe test everybody in your office and find out who's the person most like what you're looking for and then use that number to guide you. But if somebody shows up to our company with my score, we don't hire them because I'm the only person that should have that score. I don't have any follow through and I get started very, very quickly. So I need to hire the opposite of me, which is somebody with a lot of follow through and that does not get started quickly. Um, and that has seemed to work out for us. The last thing is we have, if we do have an interview, we follow the Google principle of ignore the hippos. So the hippos are the highest important paid person's opinion. Um, and so what that means is the people at the top of the company, and in this case, I mean, it's not a huge company, it's just me and my wife and some others, but 
we should not be performing the interviews. We are the most disconnected from the ground level work or the street level work you should do. So if you're fighting crime in Chicago, you should ask the cops on the street, not the you know police chief sitting in their um, office and who hasn't been out on the street for months or years, right? So I think the same thing with hiring, like whoever you're lowest ranking, most trusted person is should do the interviewing because you're going to say like, you're going to work with this person a lot. Do you want to do it? And are they the person you want at our company? So anyways, that multi-step hiring process has saved us and it's awesome. And once you build it with, you know, the emails and the, we have emails and spreadsheets and flow charts. Once we had all that, man, it went so fast every time after that. And it did a good job. We, we eliminated a few people that I think were uh, not going to work out. So that was awesome. And finally, the last thing, um, best business win this year. Clinically, it was that uh, I was searching Facebook Marketplace and I found an awesome golf simulator. It's based on the TrackMan system. Uh, that's like the, the, the Cadillac or the, you know, the, the highest level simulator where we have a launch monitor. It tells you how far you hit, where the ball went, how much spin it had. And then I was able to pick up that simulator and a K-Vest. Uh, which is like a 3D motion capture thing. And we really put together a suite of equipment and we're able to do that super cheap. Unfortunately, it was from an office that was closing in New York City due to COVID, but we were able to get a hold of that technology very uh, affordably and build it up. And I think I probably got it for about half price. So that was very exciting because I wanted that for a long time. So those are the best three things business-wise. Parker being a live seminar, um, our hiring process, and then the simulator. The last thing, I don't know if this is the best or, or how she said it, but I'm being getting very interested in patient communication. You'll hear me talk more about that next year, but I'm going to save that for the next year focus. So let me move on to the best things personally. Um, yeah. Number one, best thing by far was, you know, um, my wife, Amanda, and I have lived out here in Vegas for 15 years. Uh, we are the only members of our family to live out here. And this year, um, with funkiness going on in California and um, my brother-in-law, was in a uh, business that he was in live events and that just, you know, never came back. He basically needed to sell rooms full of hundreds of people. And in California, that never came back. So luckily, just a bunch of things came together that my, my in-laws, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, and my brother-in-law all moved out within a four-month period to Las Vegas. So now they live locally here, which is awesome. Uh, unfortunately, both my parents have passed, but um, yeah, uh, we got my in-laws here, which means my kids have been spending more time with grandma and grandpa and their uncle. And in fact, just the way things are working out, um, my brother-in-law has decided to go to nursing school and that allows him every morning. He basically takes our kids to school and they get to spend time with their uncle who they rarely saw before this year. So, you know, it's, it's awesome. I remember talking to Greg Rose one time and Greg just has so much wisdom and definitely a high level mentor for me. But one thing Greg said, the two biggest decisions you'll make in life are number one, marry the right person. Because if you marry the wrong person, you're going to be miserable as hell and you'll never get away from it. And he said, that will affect your happiness, your success and everything. Second thing he said is decide where you want to live. So he's like, if you're a skier, live in a ski town. If you're not a skier, you know, if you want to surf, like live on the coast, whatever it is, decide where you want to live because that will affect all the joy you get in life and all the fulfillment outside of your office. He's like, you can set up your office and the professional things you want to do anywhere. And he's right. You know, if you're, whether you're a chiropractor or attorney or like, I look at me, like I want to set up this golf simulator. I could do that anywhere. I could do that in Alaska. I could do it in, in Hawaii. I could do it here in Las Vegas. 
Now, it happens to be a big golf town, but the inside of my office would look the same no matter where I'm at. But once I leave my office, you know, what happens? For me, I like sunshine. I like golfing. I like being outside. The desert works well for me, man. Um, up until this week, it's freezing ass cold this week. But last week, I mean, here we are in uh, early December and it was just beautiful out and I'm walking around in shorts and a t-shirt. That works for me. You know, Greg always wanted to be in San Diego because his big hobby is gardening. So he wanted to be in a place where you can just grow tons of vegetables and fruits and everything. And he got that. Uh, but it did remind me too, there's been so much joy in my family moving here that it's, it blows me away. It really, uh, he's right about those two decisions and having family close. If that's one of the factors, man, it makes a huge difference. It's just so much life, so much better. Uh, next up, the best personal thing, um, a man and I moved into a, uh, a new, a new to us house. We got a new house this year. It wasn't a new house, but it's new to us and the layout. And, um, it's, a, it's bigger than our last. And there's two factors. Number one, it has a loft for the kids to like watch TV and play in. Number two, it has a pool in the backyard. Our old house did not have a play area and did not have a pool. And those two things were crucial. And going back to my family living here, probably the coolest experience for my summer was every Sunday afternoon, family would all come over. We'd do a barbecue, hang out in the pool, make some drinks and just talk for, you know, two, three hours. And, uh, man, it, I didn't realize how much I was missing when I didn't have my family nearby. And that totally um, solidified it. So I think that was definitely one of the, the best personal moves this year. All right, uh, let's move on to the worst things. <laughs> so I'm going to go over the worst business things and the worst personal things, but I'll go first with business. Worst business thing. Number one, got kicked out of my clinic. I'm kind of dramatizing that, but I didn't, we had this funny thing. So we set up that golf simulator and we were hitting golf balls and we were doing assessments. And really, we only did assessments like Mondays and Thursdays, right? Um, we'd use it interstitially, uh, working with people, but you know, out, mostly on Mondays and Thursdays. Well, when our lease came up in October, I got this message from my landlord. Hey, let's talk about the end of your lease and what you want to do, which I took to mean, uh, do you, you, know, you want to sign on for three years, five years? Uh, there's going to be a rent increase. I thought the conversation was that. When I finally contacted him, he said, I said, yeah, well, you know, what's the deal? Like, are the terms changing? And he said, oh, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't clear. Uh, you can't renew your lease. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> like, what? And so it turns out that the lady next door, we, we shared a common wall with another tenant. She had a Pilates studio and she felt the sound of golf balls being hit was very disturbing to her clients and herself. And the crazy thing to me was we hit, you know, we really did assessments two days a week. And even then, three quarters of the assessment is not hitting golf balls. We hit golf balls a little bit, but we're doing medicine ball testing. We're doing strength testing. We're doing range of motion tests. We're doing the SFMA. We're doing TPI screen and all that. And she thought that that little bit of hitting golf balls was too much. Lo and behold, and you know, I, I could be totally angry about this, but I'm almost, it's almost comical at this point. At the very end of the negotiations, she said, she happened to mention, yes, the wall between your clinic and mine, my studio is the bathroom. And it's just so scary to hear that sound when you're in the bathroom of a golf ball being hit. So not only was this only two days a week and only three quarters, I mean, one quarter of the time on those two days a week, but she later admitted it was just in the bathroom that you could hear that sound. So, I mean, you have to laugh at it. I could be angry and, you know, I, I, I don't want to wish ill upon a person, but you know, if, if, she slipped on ice. I wouldn't be heartbroken. She was just totally a 
total B about dealing with us and wanted to kick kick us out. And she was a longer term tenant, uh, had more space than we did. And the landlord had to serve her interests instead of ours. So that was probably the worst thing that happened this year. Luckily, after some negotiation looking around, we found another area that looks like we will be um, setting up in, but it did put a pause to evaluations for a while. Um, yeah, so that was probably the worst thing, number one. Number two, you know, I talked about Clinic Gym Connect. Um, and I think there was a big learning curve for me. So I would say I'm classifying this under the worst thing for business, but being in a business you don't understand is way harder than I thought. And so being in the software business and running like customer service and support and tech calls and all that was a steep learning curve. I mean, I, it is much tougher than I thought it was. It takes much more effort than I thought it did. I thought we were going to, you know, basically have the software. Uh, it was going to work perfectly and all of our clients would just be, you know, smiling and puppies would be running through the fields of daisies. And it has, it's been a lot of work, a lot of work. When I look three years out, it's exciting, but right now it is a freaking ton of work that, and a lot of that work I didn't expect. So that was probably one of the worst things. Um, it's definitely taking more resources, more time, more customer service, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But hey, that's what you got to do. And it reminds me of being early in the clinic, you know, like you don't know anything about how to refer somebody for an x-ray. I didn't, I didn't know how to refer somebody to an, for an x-ray or an MRI. I didn't know how to uh, get notes from a doctor's office, request them, and then send notes to that same doctor's office. So for patients in orthopedists, and it reminds me a lot of those things you got to figure out. But hey, I like starting stuff and I like uh, when things are different and it's helped me with that. But I will say that one of the reasons I said hiring process was one of the best things that happened this year was because if we didn't have those processes in the other businesses, I would never have the time to do this. So turns out software is way harder than expected which will lead me to next year's thing, but yeah. Um, so those are the two worst things this year in business. Uh, personally, I had some ups and downs this year and let me talk about the worst things personally there. So 2021, in March of 2021, I was driving around and I had this like pain down in, I thought it was bladder pain, uh, drank a bunch of water, you know, trying to flush out whatever the hell was going on, didn't do anything, pain got worse, pain got worse. Finally, I stepped off a curb uh, running errands. I was just stepping out of my supermarket. I stepped off a curb and I had exquisite, exquisite pain. It felt like somebody took an, the shaft of an arrow from like a compound, uh, a bone arrow and like just shoved it through my body real quick. It was a tiny area of pain, maybe the size of a quarter, but it damn near dropped me to my knees. So I went to urgent care, um, great doctor over there. Uh, he palpated my abdomen. And when he hit that spot, I, I grabbed his arm quickly and like gave him, you know, daggers from my eyes. Like, don't ever touch that spot again. And he said, yeah, that's not normal for, or, you know, relatively healthy guy like you to have that much pain. You're going to the ER. So I went to the ER. Long story short, I was di uh, diagnosed with diverticulitis. So unfortunately, tons of pain, had to stay in the hospital for two days, get antibiotics and stuff because they were worried about perforating uh, my colon. Luckily, none of those things happened, but it did kind of sober me up about, you know, I haven't taken care of myself like I should, you know, it's, it's, I need to invest in self-care, uh, at a higher level. And that kind of reminded me along the way, I also found out that I have very high blood pressure that I've had to control. And that was, yeah, those two things combined means, uh, I need to focus on me and my health because that's more important than you know, running a podcast or a business talking all about the clinic and gym. If I'm not taking, 
those are all about patient improvement and I'm not improving as a patient. So those were uh, some of the worst things. By the way, I didn't know the next, the last one, I didn't know if to put this into business or into personal, but I'll, I'll it kind of, this is the worst experience personally and business wise. And this is last on the worst list. Um, we decided to run a launch for the accelerator program over the week of Thanksgiving. And uh, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you probably got some texts or emails that, hey, we're doing this special offer. And we thought, hey, this is a great special offer. And I would say there was definitely a learning curve in there or a learning lesson. And that was, we sent out a text on Thanksgiving that was the start of the sale. And then we hammered everybody over those four days of Thanksgiving. And I think I got to say, I lost sight of what we're all about in that area. We wanted to put out this special offer. We want to get, you know, get the information out to people, but I don't think we did it the right way. So I got a bunch of nasty messages back on the text messages. A lot of people opted out, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it comes back to this. We lost perspective of what those days were about. We can do a launch. We can do that, but we shouldn't do it Thanksgiving. We shouldn't hammer people as much. And what, you know, seems like sometimes I I think I got distracted by what we were trying to do and not really, I made the huge mistake of not looking at who we're doing it for. So we're doing it for people who work their butt off and don't get a lot of time off, aka chiropractors, right? Busy, busy chiropractors, strength coaches, physical therapists, every listeners podcast. And we sent out too many messages, too many emails, and made too big of a deal of something at a time where we should have backed off a little bit and maybe provided this option for this great sale, but not at the way we did it. So I kind of put that in the personal department of worst decision. Like business-wise, you learn, but Personally, I feel like an a-hole. Like I should have known that, you know, and, and I advocate for positive um, relationships with our patients all the time. And here I basically violated a lot of those rules. And so that personally, I should have spoken up. And when my team and I were kind of putting together, we should have said, no, nah, this isn't time to do it. Interesting enough, one of our team members said, I don't think we should do this. And I kind of brushed her comments under the rug thinking, ah, she just doesn't understand. And she was right. Like knowing when to communicate and what to communicate about and the method is so important. So that's, um, I'm putting that under a personal thing because business-wise that launch was a success. Personally, I feel like an a-hole in the way we did it. So, you know, where do you rank that? Like I'm putting it under a personal, one of the worst things that happened personally. So Anyways, so we covered best business things this year, best personal, uh, worst business, worst personal. Uh, and the last thing I want to do is just touch on what do we see for next year? Well, one of the things that came up this year is we started looking a lot at patient communication. I just started touching on to that, studying that as we were getting the software going. And I wanted to find out what does the evidence say are the best practices for communication? And that became a huge rabbit hole. <laughs> we went down this path and holy smokes. If you listen to the patient feedback and patient satisfaction scores, they would say that every healthcare provider sucks at patient communication. It's horrible. I mean, it is absolutely horrible. Like one of the most striking things to me was we probably, we found 12 studies of doctors who did 100% the correct care and still got sued for malpractice. So think about that. That's not actually in the, it's falsely named as malpractice and that's not what it's all about. 
But basically, it all comes back to the word desertion. If, if patients feel deserted, they will sue your ass no matter what you did and if you saved their life. And there was plenty of examples of that. But that really illustrated it to us. So we're putting together, we decided to kind of pursue the research a lot more and up to probably 55 or 60 articles straight out of uh, PubMed, all about how patients want to be communicated on, what are the best practices for patient communication, how can we do a better job. And so we're putting together education around that because I think that combined with what I found about the, so back when we looked at the, you know, which clinic gym hybrids were successful and which weren't, it was communication, right? So this patient communication thing has definitely got my motor going and you will see some of my efforts shift there. That means that some of my efforts are going to shift away from clinic gym hybrid because I only have so much time. Um, We'll still do the Facebook groups. We'll still do a lot of things, but I'm going to pursue this patient communication because I think that overall that can have a massive impact on how we all approach our patients. At that same time, unfortunately, one of the worst experiences I had this year was losing a good friend of mine to stage four colon cancer. And when I look at his case, his name was Ryan Chapman. And um, yeah, even to this point, I have not been able to erase his, I had him on my, you know, list of favorites in my iPhone and he still sits there and it's just weird to not be able to call him. But Ryan was a great guy, an amazing mentor. And uh, I think at its core, Ryan died from a lack of communication on behalf of his providers. He had a ton of red flags and he just never communicated those to orthopedists, to multiple family practice medicine doctors, his pain management doctor. He went to about five different providers, physical therapy, and nobody picked up on the red flags. And Ryan's a smart guy and he's a good communicator. And for some reason, none of us um, picked up on that. If you remember back, I did a live video where I talked about Ryan and I think I failed him as well. And I take some of that responsibility on my shoulders. Even now it's tough to talk about. So it's just tough. Like not to pull this podcast down, but it was tough losing him and looking back on how could we have saved him. And it comes down to the fact of Sometimes we all get so busy in our clinics, we forget to ask the right questions. And sometimes we ask the right questions, but our patients aren't ready to hear it at that time. And therefore they don't give us the full, you know, full scope of what's going on. And I've had many patients that say, oh, you know, you'd ask me if anything was numb. I don't want to tell you on the first visit, you know, but yeah, you know, my genitals have been numb for for the last five months. I mean, I had a patient do that on our fifth visit and it's like, oh my God, like, so that totally changes the diagnostic perspective. But anyways, that's where next year we're going to be focusing a lot of effort and um, hopefully some live events and whatnot. Um, so those things are exciting and it all comes back to that patient communication. So that's what I'm looking on, looking at and working towards next year. We have a new spot for our simulator um, clinically and that will, you know, help us open up the clinic. And I think it's going to be better because the, I really like the team that we're going to be working with. And uh, yeah, so we have those things. Um, some other exciting news, not to jump around too much. <sighs> Sorry. Uh, just thinking about my buddy, Ryan is just spins me up a little bit. Looking at next year, we're going to be putting on some live seminars to talk about patient communication and training people around that. Because I think if we can all communicate better with our patients, your, your office will grow, your patients will succeed, and you'll be able to provide better care. All those things are great. Second thing, we've also worked with Parker Seminar to put on two different uh, clinic gym hybrid weekends next year. We'll talk about the business model and the rehab model 
and exercise all in the same weekend. And I think those will be hosted at the Parker um, sem- uh, at Parker's campus there in Dallas, Texas, which is the perfect place for it. If you've seen their new Parker Fit facility, it is unbelievable. And it's awesome. But we'll do a couple live events. And um, there's a few other things in the work, but I works, but I think those things are the ones I wanted to cover. So with that, I'll say that 2022 is looking to be a great year for us, uh, for me personally, for our company. But also, I think 2022 is going to be an amazing year for chiropractic. The amount of growth that has happened over the two years of the pandemic, I think, is pretty amazing within our profession. And, you know, I talked to a lot of amazing young chiropractors that are super motivated about getting us the Medicare parity. Um, they're pushing the right things forward um, and they're doing amazing things. And yeah, it's it's exciting. I've never seen this much growth happen in our profession as long as I've been, uh, been a chiropractor 15 years now. So it's super exciting. So I think uh, it's going to be a year of growth. With that, I want to make sure I say thank you to a bunch of people. Number one, thank you to everybody who uh, has been, well, I got to say thank you to my team members. I have VAs and tech people. We've added software experts and everything. All of you, if you are listening to this, whether you're down in Brazil, if you're here in the States, if you're in New Jersey or um, North Carolina or Pennsylvania, uh, we have team members all over. I want to say thank you. It's It's been awesome. Second thing, the team over at uh, uh, West Coast with my wife, uh, that's our consulting company. Um, we are, man, it, all this is possible because we have an incredible team over there. And so if you're listening to this and you're on that team, thank you so much. You guys are amazing and really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, it's just, we have been so lucky with the incredible people we have been able to, to have on our team over there. It's incredible. Third, anybody that's in the you know Facebook group or contributed, especially the moderators, Kirk, Kurt, Dan, Brian, Brendan, thanks a lot for providing great information. Uh, a lot of people have also posted up amazing um, stories in there and provided great info. We really appreciate it. Uh, anybody that's been part of a discussion, it's incredible. And everybody that is a client of Clinic Gym Hybrid, maybe you bought the Accelerator program or you bought Clinic Gym Connect or whatever it is, thanks. That's what keeps the engine running. And you know, it's awesome to see people step up, um, invest some money. And because that is the first sign of people who are super committed is they, they're willing to throw down some money on it and, uh, seeing those things flourish, seeing people grow their practices and join, uh, you know, expand their square foot and their impact on their community has been super exciting. So thank you to everyone who's a part of it. Uh, if you're listening to this before Christmas, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas holiday with your family a wonderful new year. And if you're like, Hey, I don't celebrate Christmas. Totally cool too. Uh, but no matter what time doesn't care what religion you are. So we'll say happy new year because that means time marches on. (coughs) So with that, hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the year. If you're listening to this after the first of the year, then, uh, send me a message and I'd love to hear what you're going to tackle for 2022. You can always hit me up at josh at clinicgymhybrid.com, josh at clinicgymhybrid.com. Uh, yeah. And let me know what's in store for 2022 for you. Otherwise we will chat later. Thanks everybody. Oh yeah. I forgot the tagline with that. Go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Thanks everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to clinic gym radio. If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to clinic Again, that's clinic 
jimhybrid.com. You can check us out there. We've got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients.